0: Hello, hello, and welcome to another edition of the FO News Show. My name is Cal Clinton. With me, as always, is my co-host, Jackson Roberts, breaking down the latest in news from around the NFL. Jackson, how are we doing today?
1: We're feeling good. It's getting cold outside. It's football weather. So things are, things are all good. I'm, I'm feeling better than you are, Cal. I'm hearing you're a little under the weather here. A flu game, if you will.
0: Listen, we're battling through. We're battling through. Speaking of weather, we got a nice, our first snow game of the year, potentially, like two feet coming to Buffalo. That Buffalo-Cleveland game is going to be a spectacle. I'm excited. We're going to talk about the entire week of NFL news. But first, we've got to, as always, shout out our sponsor, Underdog Fantasy. Play on Underdog Fantasy with us and double your first deposit. Up to $100 with promo code OUTSIDERS. Are your season long fantasy teams floundering? Play Underdogs <laughs> Battle Royale, a fast six round weekly fantasy football draft with easier chances to win than traditional daily fantasy sports sites. You can even win $50,000 to grab first place or you can try their pick them games where you can easily pick players' chances to go higher or lower than their projected stat lines, even in states where traditional prop betting currently isn't available. Underdog is the fastest-growing fantasy set around. Join the fun over at underdogfantasy.com or download Underdog in the App Store and use promo code OUTSIDERS right now to double your first deposit up to $100. Jackson's underdog pick of the week, Cordero Patterson. Bears defense, can't tackle so good. Love it. Jackson, we're starting off in Las Vegas. The Las Vegas Raiders have not had the hottest start to their season. Headed into the year, the Football Outsiders Almanac projected the Raiders to have a... uh, about 8.2 wins in our projections model. Jackson, they're sitting at 2-7 and seven right now. They just lost to the Jeff Saturday-led Colts. Uh, not a lot of upward momentum in sight. And yet, head coach Josh McDaniels has just been reassured that he'll keep his job with the Raiders. Mark Davis told me, as far as Josh goes, I have no issues, Davis said to the Las Vegas Review-Journal. I'm getting to know him a lot better. When you sign someone to a contract, don't you expect him to, to fulfill the contract? I like Josh. I think he's doing a fantastic job. You have to look at where we came from and where we're going. Now, Jackson Raiders are 27th in Team DVOA. 18th in offense, 32nd in defense. Davis visited McDaniels and the rest of the Raiders in the locker room after Sunday's loss. He's had some personal one-on-one meetings with McDaniels following games. Derek Carr, quarterback for the Raiders, was emotional at the press conference. uh, Bordering on tears expressing his frustration talking about just how badly he wants to win games. I wish everybody in that room felt the same way about this place as a leader that pisses me off. Jackson. I got one question for you. Do you think this is the right move?
1: Oh man. We hate to uh, talk about another man's job, but at the same time, that's our job. Uh, So I guess we have to, uh, Josh McDaniels has been an unmitigated disaster so far this season. There's no ifs, ands, buts. Because it's not just that they made the playoffs last season. That was a bit of a fluky thing. Uh, they they got better, right? Like, on paper, uh, not just the signing of Devontae Adams, but bringing in Chandler Jones on the defensive side. Like, they were supposed to be a well-rounded, good team. Uh, and, I mean, we've talked about their draft history. <laughs> I think the real... The real kicker here is that if, if Mark Davis had to fire McDaniels, he'd be paying three head coaches, right? Because you're still paying off the Gruden contract. You want to fire McDaniels, bring in a new guy, and, and be paying triple head coach salary at once? Like That's just not feasible. So he's kind of stuck with McDaniels as long as the Gruden contract is still out there. And recall, the Gruden contract at the time was the most lucrative contract in the history of coaching. So the Raiders are in a bad place. Um, Devonte Adams had a nice quote as well. He said, just don't got enough guys that are fully bought into that right now. I think people like the idea, but when it's time to execute, it don't turn out that way. It seems as though the Raiders locker room is at war with itself. Derek Carr was like, we've got guys who do, you know, unspeakable things to their bodies just to go to sleep at night. I, I don't know what he means by that, but it can't be good. Uh, and it sounds like he's mad at other people. For not holding up their end of the bargain. As a leader, you just don't want to do that, I think, especially when you're talking to the media. It's one thing to say that behind closed doors, but you're kind of putting your team on blast out front. Uh, and when a team is losing this much, this dysfunctional, 317 point blown leads, uh, what are they, 0 and 6 in one possession games, like all that just comes home to roost at some point. And for better or for worse, it sits on the shoulders of the head coach. The
0: thing that distinguishes this performance from a guy like let's keep it in the division nathaniel hackett hackett's a first time head coach with no play calling experience so even if there's some underperformance and you're not matching your offense to uh maximize russell wilson's skill set in the way you should there's some room for error there because you're a first-time head coach. It makes a bit of sense. This is McDaniel's second go-around as a head coach. At some point, this kind of underperformance, like he, his lease shouldn't be as long. And at this point, I'm like, the Raiders are picking, you know, if, if the league ends today, the Raiders are picking number two overall and they've got like according to our numbers their past schedule the schedule they've already played that got them to 2 and 7 was the easiest in the league by DVOA. Oh. And that future schedule is 14th in the league. Oh. Like it's it's only going to get worse. Oh goodness. Potentially at least. I don't know. I get it. But, yeah, like you said, this team got materially better. Adding Devontae Adams. Adding, you know, swapping Yannick Ngakwe for Rocky Sin to help out that secondary. Getting Chandler Jones in the building. That defense is last in the league in DVOA.
1: They're so bad. They have 10 sacks. They had, their, they had two weeks in a row, or like really it was three games in a row with, like, second half of one game, first half of another with no sacks. Like, they're just... They're not getting pressure. The secondary is underperforming. It's like everything that can go wrong on the defensive side of the ball has.
0: I wonder if this is just the temporary vote of confidence to you know, hold tides over. Let's see if that same vote of confidence holds come January when they're actually getting ready to reevaluate and where this team is. But we'll see. It's, I mean, it's I, not I, just
1: that they're 2-7, and seven though, right, Kale? It's like first half of the Cardinals game, first half of the Chiefs game, first half of the Jaguars game. Like, they look like a good football team at times. And then they just turn around and become the biggest disaster in the history of the sport. And they have all these blue-chip names on the team. They also have a lot of scrubs. They've kind of built it on that L.A. Rams model to an unsuccessful degree. But – Like, they were up three scores on the Chiefs, who were pretty much number one in everyone's power rankings this week. And yet,
0: they might have the number one overall pick in the draft. They've blown three different three-score leads. Three different leads of that capacity. I don't know. We'll see where this Raiders team ends up. Maybe it's good for them. If also, while we're, on
1: McDaniels, while we're on McDaniels, let's not forget Jeff Saturday just passed Josh McDaniels for uh, wins as Indianapolis Colts head coach.
0: But, um, <laughs> like that one. Moving on to, I was going to say Arizona, but he just got cut by Arizona. So moving on to Houston. Eno Benjamin, running back for the Arizona Cardinals, was released by the Cardinals earlier this week, has just signed with the Houston Texans this morning as they claimed him off waivers. Benjamin has kind of been a pretty successful RB2 for the Cardinals. Has pretty much been buried on the depth chart, though. Slowly saw his workload get cut into. He's only had two games this year with more than 10 carries, played just one snap in this most recent game against the Los Angeles Rams. Multiple teams were vying for Benjamin. The Texans ultimately went out. He'll serve behind Damian Pierce, who is putting up a pretty compelling offensive rookie of the year debate. A surprising cut by the Cardinals and a quality add for this Houston team, Houston Texans team, Jackson.
1: Yeah, I'm very curious to see what this looks like in the Houston offense because from a usage perspective, Damian Pierce is getting more than the lion's share of the carries. He's basically the whole offense at times. Like they'll they'll run Damian Pierce 20 times, even if he's putting up two yards of carry. So now that Benjamin's in the building, uh, I mean, kiss Rex, Rex Burkheads were Claude goodbye. I think that goes without saying, but I'm really curious to see how much it eats into Damian Pierce, who is currently getting 79 and a half percent of the team's rushing attempts. Uh, so Damian Pierce fantasy owners are surely incensed by how much this affects them. Uh, they play Washington, which I think is a very sneaky upset chance for them team coming off an emotional Monday night win short week. Um, Quarterback always one throw away from disaster, always seems to get away with it. So for a five and five versus one seven-and-one matchup, I'm maybe morbidly curious
0: is the word, but I'm very curious to see this Texans commanders game on Sunday. Now, what is fascinating to me, Jackson, is that Benjamin last year was kind of stuck as this RB three behind Connor, uh James Connor and Chase Edmonds. This year, I know James Connor did miss. A handful of games for this Cardinals team. but Benjamin, in terms of carries 70 to Connor's 82, and was averaging more yards per attempt than James Connor. Very surprising to me in that regard, just a, a, a pretty nonsensical cutting for a cost controlled second year player i get this is also in a rushing offense that ranks 27th in offensive rushing dvoa right now but you've got a quality guy in house you know i i i wonder if there's not a larger motivation behind this uh dismissal because i can't find a football reason for it really
1: yeah, I was just going to say the same thing, and I, I you know, I don't want to be the one to speculate too far into anything that's going on in the Cardinals locker room. But Absolutely. the one snap played, which is obviously a huge season low, uh, followed by the immediate cutting, makes me wonder if something either happened on Sunday or happened during the week in practice that uh, you know fractured the relationship beyond repair because. You know a few weeks ago we're talking about a guy who's uh you know a tick shy of a hundred yard rushing with two touchdowns in a prime time on Thursday night. So it's uh it's a very strange uh move. They're very similar, Pierce and Benjamin from a efficiency standpoint, which is very odd because you'd think Pierce is having this great rookie year, but he's only 16 uh yards above replacement. He's uh 26th in DVOA among running backs, and Pierce or uh Benjamin would be uh 27th if he had enough rushing attempts to qualify. So I I think Pierce still retains the majority of the work especially because he is the rookie, he's the only thing they have to be excited about, but it certainly uh gives them
0: another option
1: coming out of the backfield.
0: I will say that while Benjamin doesn't qualify for our DVOA rankings uh in the next tier of players uh, who come in between 15 and 79 rushing attempts His DVOA rushing wise is negative 6.6%, but his VOA, which doesn't adjust for opponent, is negative 1.3. So he's pretty close to average in a neutral sense. And I wonder if it's just a lack of performance by the Cardinals that lowers that number a little bit. Oh, the
1: Cardinals offense has been dreadful, Kale. We'll get into this because we have another Cardinals story later, but they they just had their first positive offensive DVOA of the entire season in the win over LA. So that is, I mean, they can't do anything right.
0: Hats off to them. For at least that's that's one. That's one of the win, Colin for Hold Arizona. Cole McCoy and Trace McSorley
1: did what Kyler Murray cannot, apparently. That is that is quite the
0: statement. Moving on. To Washington. hot off game. Of their big win against the Philadelphia Eagles. Finally putting a blemish on that undefeated record. And they're about to get a little bit better. Chase Young, former number one overall pick. Former 2020 Defensive Rookie of the Year. Set to make his debut this week against the Houston Texans. Had recently, not recently, uh, it's going to be his first game back since tearing his ACL and MCL about a year ago Monday. Jackson, major, major add for a Washington team that is sitting right on the doorstep of the wild card, right? It really
1: is. And by the way, I love what we're doing here. There's there's big games this week. Pats, Jets, Cowboys, Vikings, Chiefs, Chargers, Sunday Night Football. No, we're just focusing in on this Washington-Houston matchup. That's what we do here. I love it. Uh, Chase Young, when he's right, when he's on the field, is a transcendent defensive player. He's also just the lifeblood of that defense from, you know, not just, not just like a leadership standpoint, but like he brings so much energy. We've all seen the NFL films clips. We've all seen his penchant for Taylor Heineke. So excited that he's still the quarterback when uh, Chase Young returns. But I mean, this is just a guy, he's coming into a situation where the Washington defense is kind of improving as the season goes on. Uh, They've already done a good job stopping the rush. Uh, The secondary performed better than I would say was expected in this Eagles game. So uh, it could be just kind of the missing piece to make this defense, you know, good, not elite, but, you know, kind of maybe that second tier kind of defense. And look, the quarterback situation is really weird in Washington right now. I think Taylor Heineke's won three out of four. Uh, Carson Wentz eligible to return from IR. No word yet on whether he's actually healthy enough to play, but I don't think it matters right now. I think you just – ride with the situation as is, you're one game out of playoff position. You you just keep it going until something starts to go wrong.
0: I do believe that Heineke will retain the position uh upon Wentz's return. I mean how could you not when you beat an Eagles team like that? Again, winning three out of four big big games to have won in that capacity just like oh this is a this is a five and five commanders team what three and one under heineke this is you know they're sitting a half game behind san francisco right now for that seven seed in the wild card there's not many situations where i say stick with the hot hand but this is certainly one of them uh now going back to young A major addition for this defense, 13th in defensive DVOA. One of their, not necessarily biggest strengths, but they come in at 14th in in adjusted sack rate by defense. They only have 24 sacks. So they're not sitting high in those sack rankings. They're barely sitting above the NFL league average. Chase Song's certainly going to help out in that department.
1: No, absolutely. And uh, they're already the second best rush defense. So if he can sort of help us level out the pass defense situation, whether that is contributing sacks, hurrying quarterbacks, batting down balls, whatever that may be, they're 20th against the pass. So we know that the pass tends to factor in much more heavily to these, not just to these rankings, but to success in an NFL football game. It's like, okay, you can stop the ground game, but if you can't stop the pass, it doesn't really matter. Uh, so anything he can do to help contribute to their
0: pass defense, I think, is a huge win. And also a lot of that pass defense can be generated or in a sense hidden with a really good pass rush, you know? Don't have to always rely on lockdown cornerback play if you've got Chase Young breathing down the quarterback's neck in two seconds. Moving on, back to the Raiders, back to waiver wire talk. Raiders claim former Chargers defensive tackle Jerry Tillery, 2019 first rounder for the Chargers, has 10 and a half career sacks. Only one in seven games this year. Jackson. Will this be the piece that helps them, <laughs> helps them turn around a 30-second DVOA defense? Um, man,
1: I'm, I'm going to say no. But, <laughs> I, I, you know, if you can take him from 32nd to 29th, maybe that's something. Uh, I I think this is a long-term look, uh, even though he is coming up on the end of his rookie deal. Uh, Jerry Tillery was a player who, obviously, the Chargers had high hopes for coming out of college when they selected him 28th overall. Um, He's not lived up to the billing, obviously, coming out of Notre Dame, but there's there's still talent there, the Raiders are thinking. Clearly, other teams are thinking there's still talent there because fully a quarter of the league put in claims for Jerry Tillery and the Raiders – by virtue of having the worst record, um, were they able to claim him? So uh, he could have gone to Detroit. He could have gone to Kansas City. San Francisco I thought was a very interesting one because it seems like they have everyone you could already want on that defense. Uh, the Jets put in a claim for him. The Giants. So a lot of good football teams thinking this guy can come in the building and help out, and the Raiders are the ones that secure his services. So I think that tells you something right there, uh, that maybe there's a second wind in Jerry Tillery's career.
0: Just a massive body to have on that offensive line, coming in at 6'6", 295. Defensive line, sorry, not offensive line. Uh, listen, the sacks aren't – sacks haven't been generated for Las Vegas this year at all. You 30th in adjusted sack rate for a unit that's led by <laughs> – You know, Max Crosby and Chandler Jones. You'd expect a little bit more out of it. What is that? But we'll say, you stick him inside a little bit, you figure out places to play him. They're eighth in stuffed rank right now. They're 15th in adjusted line yards on the defensive line. Can supplement this rush defense a little bit. He can be a value piece to add. I get it didn't quite work out in LA, but there's absolutely hope you can have a, uh, you know, second, uh, not second coming, but, uh, you know, get a good second chance at a, at a, uh, in a new location.
1: Yeah. If you're employing the services of Max Crosby and Chandler Jones and you're getting no sacks as a team, I don't think you just pin that on Max Crosby and Chandler Jones. Clearly, there's something going wrong on the interior as well. So, anybody you can bring in on the interior to clog lanes, draw off extra blocks, make the defense have to worry about anything else besides Max Crosby and Chandler Jones, perhaps they can finally start to get pressure. Because, as we've established, they're just letting, I mean, Matt Ryan just sat back there, picked him apart, ran 39 yards downfield on him. He was just doing whatever he wanted, and this is a guy that was uh, you know, benched for having a wet noodle two weeks ago. So there's lots of things that can go better for the Raiders' defense, and new blood might just be the start.
0: Moving on to our injury roundup, and boy, is it a doozy. Man. Speaking of L.A., we're flipping sides at the SoFi Stadium. We're going to the L.A. Rams' Cooper Cup. Placed on IR with a high ankle sprain. We've seen a lot of those this year. So many. He's getting the tightrope surgery, uh, which should expedite the healing process. Uh, uh, Cup will miss at least four weeks being placed on IR. McVay alluded to potentially recovery time looking like five to six weeks. Jackson, the... The Rams' pass offense is basically gone. Uh, Cup had 30% of targets, 37% of passing yards, and six of nine passing touchdowns or receiving touchdowns. Uh, Yeah, that's your biggest asset is gone. The only productive piece of your offense out the window.
1: Yeah. Man. Man. Matt Stafford potentially coming back from the concussion this week, not coming back to much. Uh, and obviously he's been dealing with the elbow thing all year that nobody's ever let on that. It's as big a deal as I think we think it is. Um, there's just nothing to like about the Rams right now. Is there, they're playing the saints right now, another team that has almost nothing to like. Uh, so another game that I'm kind of morbidly curious about this week, but boy, this just stinks, right? Like Cooper cup, he, he, like, his efficiency numbers were down from last year, but how could they not be when, you know, it seems like Matt Safford's lost the zip on the ball, uh, no OBJ, no running game, and it's just like we know as a defense that the only thing you can do is throw the ball to Cooper Cup. They had that number two target all of last year, whether it was Robert Woods or OBJ. That's just gone. It's like Tyler Higbee you're depending on for, like, 20% of your target share. Tyler Higbee's not even a good tight end like there. man. All right, that was Tyler Higby
0: didn't even I, I didn't mean to
1: like drive by <laughs> Tyler Higby. <laughs> Sorry for the drive by. Um like Allen Robinson's vastly underperformed this year. Van Jefferson just came back from injury, and all the while Sean McVay was kind of saying, like, well, just wait till Van Jefferson comes back. What's he gonna do? You know, like stretch the field a tiny bit, catch a deep ball every once in a while, drop a deep ball every once in a while. This is just a Bad, bad offense. Not something
0: you would ever expect from a defending Super Bowl champ. Uh, well, I think the biggest issue in, or the biggest culprit in Cup's underperformance is just the litany of injuries suffered by this offensive line. You know, not only do you lose Andrew Whitworth, Whitworth to retirement, but you've got basically your entire starting offensive line. Uh, out or on IR in some capacity, missing games in some capacity. Uh, you don't have uh, the time for these long developing pass routes that Cup succeeded on so well in 2021. You don't have a chance for them to develop because you know Matt Ryan's got a jersey in his face, with it. Matt Stafford's got a jersey in his face. And then two seconds. Guys, sorry, I'm running a 102 fever here. Forget <laughs> me. uh It's this brain. It's <laughs> I don't know. It, it, you're left now with Alan, Alan Robinson, Van Jefferson, Ben Skoronek will likely uh, mm. fill in as well. Uh, just a just a rough showing from the Super Bowl champions here. Tough.
1: I. Hope Cooper Cup gets back soon, but also hope by next year they've built a more competent offense around him so he can actually start flourishing again instead of being like, you know, the Russell Westbrook on the 2017 Thunder where he's just putting up huge numbers, but there's, you know, what does it mean when you're not winning games?
0: Moving on, Arizona Cardinals tight end Zach Ertz out for the season. Sustained a major knee injury. I believe it was confirmed not to be an ACL, but enough to put him on IR for the rest of the season. Led the Cardinals in pass catching on the year. His total yardage, ranked six among tight ends, wasn't having the best season by DVOA standards. DVOA and DYA are both 26 amongst tight then. Still, Jackson, a big loss for this Cardinals offense that seemed to gain a lot with the addition of Ertz in the offense ever since they traded for him last season.
1: Yeah, I'm going to pin the, the bad efficiency numbers more so on the Cardinals as a whole rather than on just Ertz because uh, Ertz was being targeted way too heavily Um, until they had Deandre Hopkins back. They were getting very little out of the wide receiver position. Uh, And obviously it's just been a huge struggle for them to, you know, put points on the board, not turn the ball over, move the ball consistently downfield. It's, it's been a really painful season to watch for the Cardinals. And honestly, the fact that they're sitting at four and six right now uh, with a matchup against the 49ers on Monday night, the team, ahead of them for that final playoff spot is probably better than you could have mostly asked for. Uh, And there's other games that they probably should have won along the way that would have helped them to potentially getting into a playoff spot. Uh, So this is like, this is last last chance saloon for the Cardinals this week. And they're without their most reliable target um, from a catching
0: perspective as the year goes on. It's just a tough pill to swallow. A tough, tough loss there. Another player who's out for the season, Indianapolis Colts linebacker Shaquille Leonard. He's an officially over after undergoing back surgery. Leonard had been up and down for most of the year. He had undergone back surgery in the offseason already. By the time he returned, he got just 16 snaps into the week four game before breaking his nose and sustaining a concussion he was clearly on a bit of a pitch count. Once he had got back in there uh, through three weeks, he was playing, you know, 39% of defensive snaps in week eight, uh, 54% of defensive snaps against the Patriots in week nine, just a tough, tough season for, Truly, one of the best, you know, off ball linebackers in the league, Jackson. Yeah, I want to emphasize that
1: because this is the fifth season in the NFL for Shaquille Leonard. It's going to be the first time he doesn't make an all pro team. And all pro teams are like, you got to be doing something very right to catch the eyes of those voters. That's not just making a Pro Bowl, that's firmly establishing yourself as one of the elite, elite players at your position. So, yeah, it's a tough loss, man. Um, I feel like we keep saying that with every single one of these injuries and spoiler alert, there's a bunch more that we're about to talk about, but this one stinks. Uh, just the, the lifeblood of that defense, the leader in the locker room, uh, you know, when you're bringing in new defensive coordinators at the start of the season, you talk about Gus Bradley, you talk about John Fox coming into the building as a defensive assistant, whatever his title is. You think that, uh, de- uh I almost said Darius Shaquille Leonard is going to be the guy who holds it all together, makes sure they continue to, you know, kind of keep up the Colts standard, and instead um, he's just not been there. And it's been brutal because they're still a pretty competent defense, but they could have been a special one if he was able to stay out there.
0: This back surgery will hopefully fix uh, the issues that he's been having permanently. Uh, And for his sake, I certainly hope it does. Moving on to Philly. Dallas Goddard expected to miss an extended period of time with a shoulder injury. He was just placed on IR uh, just as we started hitting live on this show. Injured on a controversial no-call face mask that led to a fumble. Somehow Jackson, before the injury, was set to put up career numbers after leaving all tight ends in DVOA last season. Despite leading the league last year with a 34.7% DVOA benchmark, this year he had raised that number up a full percentage point and was still sitting behind I believe
1: that Kelsey guy. He's pretty good at tight end. If you had no, actually, Kelsey
0: leads in DYAR. Will Disley leads what? in D-V-L-A Wait. with forty-seven whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Who? <laughs> Will Disley?
1: Well, of the Seattle Seahawks. Did Will you not Disley? That Will Who's that?
0: Was that was that one not on your bingo card, Jackson? No, it was not. Um, I, well, I
1: really did not see that one coming.
0: Well, the injury is not expected to be season-ending. There is no timetable on his return from injury, Jackson. That stinks.
1: All these just stink. (laughs) It's a brutal, brutal week for injuries. The fact that he got hurt in the way that he did, not just suffering an injury that's going to miss a significant amount of time, but fumbling the ball on the same play. Having the most obvious face mask any of us have ever witnessed, and not being able to review it, not being able to get the ball back. Essentially, it's the play that I mean. You could talk about a lot of plays in that game, but that one probably swung the win probability the most out of them all. Uh, you can you can see the frustration on him heading into the locker room after the game, and you can't blame him one bit because if you're a Philly fan and you get that combined with the 15 yard penalty for Heineke sliding, kneeling, whatever that was at the end of the game. You're just feeling like that's the way we had to lose our undefeated season, Uh, and now all of a sudden they're in a virtual tie with Minnesota for the one seed in the NFC. Dallas and New York nipping at their heels in the division. There's just, for an 8-1 and team, they're obviously going through more adversity than you'd like to be going through right
0: now. Fascinating development going forward for this Eagles team. Goddard joins Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown as the only three players with at least 50 targets on the Eagles. The fourth-ranked player in targets, Quest Watkins, has 17 targets. The two backup tight ends, Jack Stoll and Grant Calcaterra, have eight combined targets, with Stoll having seven and Cal having one. Noel Toy, uh, Togai, Noah Togai, I think that's how you pronounce that name, also has one target and did not catch that one target. Yeah, so, who's going to
1: be the number three in this offense, right? Like, are they going to start throwing the ball to backs more often, whether that's Sanders or Gainwell coming out of the backfield? Are they going to involve Quez Watkins more in the offense, or is Jack Stoll going to step up and be – you know, more of a factor as now the number one tight end in this offense. It's a very interesting development. And he's A.J. Busy. Brown, A.J. Brown tweaks that ankle on his first route of the game, essentially. Who knows if he's 100% for this week? I mean, you assume he'll probably play, but uh, if he's hampered by that, all of a sudden this team becomes
0: a lot easier to stop. This, this Eagles team went from undefeated to in a precarious situation very, very quickly moving on Khalil Herbert of the Chicago Bears officially placed on injured reserve sustained a hip injury on Sunday on the Bears final kick return which just tough just tough to do it on the very last play they'll also the Bears will also have the chance to evaluate uh Six-round rookie, Treston Ebner, as the RB2. David Montgomery will obviously take a much larger role. But, man, Khalil Herbert was just having a pretty solid year in the one-two punch of this Chicago Bears running team. Eighth in DVOA, ninth in DYAR. Again, we we can't say enough of in these injury segments. Tough, Brutal. tough loss. Brutal. We've got more coming uh, in short order. But, uh,
1: yeah, if you look at the leaderboard right now in yards per carry, kind of an important stat, I'm told, among running backs. Uh, number one in the league, Khalil Herbert, 6.0, tied with Tony Pollard, another RB2 in his offense who arguably should be RB1. Uh, Khalil Herbert had over 200 more yards than David Montgomery on seven fewer carries this season. So he was getting it done with the touches he was receiving. Uh, and now you can't give him more touches. So that just stinks because you think about the way he was playing. Maybe he was set to take on a bigger role in this offense. You think about how effective their ground game has become with Justin Fields running for over a hundred yards a game. What does that open up for a guy like Herbert? I guess we'll see it with Montgomery and maybe even Ebner, but uh, with the season Herbert was having, you certainly wanted him to be the guy to kind of flourish alongside Fields, uh, even though he was maybe the RB2 on paper. I think he was clearly emerging as the uh, most, I guess, explosive back they had uh, within the building.
0: Tough, tough loss for this Bears offense. Moving down to Carolina. TJ Walker. Came in 2-4 and as the fill-in starting quarterback is officially out with a high ankle sprain. Baker Mayfield named the starter in his absence. League sources apparently told ESPN that the Panthers were mulling releasing Mayfield prior to the Walker injury, given his performance. Thank goodness they didn't. This team has finally gotten their uh, slew of 2018 first-rounders back healthy. Uh, <laughs> Arnold was just back, to, activated back off IR uh, after sustaining a concussion. Uh, Walker will not go on IR. Uh, he's going to be a week-to-week deal. Mayfield reclaims the starting job, Jackson. But I really enjoyed watching Walker out there. I'll admit it.
1: Yeah. I, like, this team has had four guys in the quarterback room all season long, pretty much. No idea if any of them are going to be back next year. No clue whatsoever. I mean, you assume Corral will, and he's QB4 right now, pretty much. But aside from that, it's been the biggest carousel, tough to decide, tough to figure out, situation for an interim coach mind you to be handling uh the story that Mayfield was almost released kind of surprising to me but I guess it makes sense with Darnold coming back you might want to see what you have there I think you saw a lot of it last year and it wasn't great but never know what what changes can be made coming into an offseason coming off injury um but it's it's a weird spot. Uh, Mayfield was the worst quarterback in league history in QBR so far this season at 15.6. Granted, that's a small sample size, but the stat's been around since 2006, and nobody's done that over the course of a full season. So maybe he can pick it up, but early returns not looking so good.
0: Should also note that another quarterback has been added to the mix for the Panthers as they've signed former Miami por- quarterback Derek King. King was a member of the D.C. Defenders, the XFL team, uh, but has now taken a backup job with the Panthers. So another name to throw into this list. Yeah, and why it not? Continues, it continues to fascinate me that the Panthers, after trading for Darnold, trading for Mayfield, trading up for Corral, have gotten their best quarterback play out of a guy they signed off the street and didn't leverage draft capital, but get moving on, Miami. Emmanuel Ogba done for the year with a torn tricep. Had a bit of a down year coming into this. Had just one sack so far this season after posting nine in each of the last two. Ten hurries as well after posting some incredible numbers. 40 and 41 in the last two seasons. Loss to the Dolphins pass rush, which will also be mitigated with the addition of Bradley Chubb. But Ogba was a consistent Made a consistent appearance on FO's annual uh, best value contract that we run every year on ESPN Plus because for the output he had been giving on the contract he was on, it had been consistently impressive, getting way under what he was worth. Done for the year with a torn tricep.
1: Yeah, it stinks. (laughs) i'm gonna say that every time it's brutal i'm trying Uh, to
0: refrain from saying it because it just gets redundant at one point but like yeah it it has to be said uh this
1: was one where you look at the track record versus the stats so far this year and you almost you know you wonder if he was poised for a breakout at some point you wonder if he was due for a two two and a half sack game to get his season right back on track Uh, because obviously he had kind of proven himself to be very effective in the pass rush over the past two years and just hadn't quite done it so far this year. It's not like the talent just goes away. Uh, And obviously injuries derailed that. uh, And we, we hate that, but uh, it is nice for Miami that they have other bodies in the building that Bradley Chubb addition becomes even bigger now. Uh, And, you know, Miami drum, <clears throat> Miami jumped uh, to 23rd in defensive DVOA this week after their win against Cleveland. So still kind of a struggling defense, but at least one that was trending in the right direction. Uh, and he would have liked to have had all the pieces there in order to keep up the positive momentum.
0: Biggest glaring issue for this defense has been that pass rush 25th in adjusted sack rate this year. Also should be noted, That Agba had seen a bit of a downturn in his defensive snap count after getting pretty consistently between 60 and 75% of defensive snaps. Last three weeks, 53%, 34%, and 15% in week 10 against the Cleveland Browns. Obviously, truncated a bit by the injury suffered in that game. Moving on to Thursday night football news. Green Bay Packers cut Amari Rodgers and Kylan Hill. Jackson, the Amari Rodgers situation is fascinating. Packers have been pretty notorious in the last two years for their lack of success in special teams DVOA. And part of it at least part of it this year, is very much because of Amari Rodgers in the punt return game. This season alone, Rodgers had four receptions and five fumbles. Most of those fumbles coming on muffed punts had one against the Cowboys. That was pretty pivotal. Believe it, directly set up a touchdown. Former 2021 first round pick for third rounder, right? Uh, yeah, third round, third rounder. My bad. Uh, yeah, third round pick for the Packers, the wide receiver out of Clemson. Let's see if he sticks anywhere else, but just didn't work out in Green Bay. And the case of the fumbles just wasn't cutting it especially especially in that return game
1: yeah um if you look at the fumble leaderboards right now among everyone and then you just filter out the quarterbacks Amari Rogers is number one in the NFL in fumbles only quarterbacks have fumbled more uh namely Trevor Lawrence who's had uh an Amari Rogers worth of fumbles just in the Eagles game alone uh but that one that one's tough uh, because, uh, you know, Matt LaFleur commented on both uh, releases. And in the case of Kylan Hill, who is a seventh round running back last year, only had one carry this year, making a minimal impact on special teams. Uh, LaFleur basically said uh, he wasn't performing his actual role on the roster. Uh, he just wasn't. I don't know what. They exactly were holding him to for a standard, but it wasn't getting done. He said, uh, we expect guys to come to work and be supportive and own that role. Uh, When you don't do that, you get cut. Uh, Whereas with Rogers, Lafleur basically said, that one hurts. Uh, He said, quote, I know how much this meant to him. He did everything we asked him to. He was a great teammate, worked his tail off. You could see him really growing in terms of overall knowledge, but we are in a production-based business, and it's unfortunate. It truly is. Hope he catches on elsewhere.
0: If you're fumbling Jackson, all the time, can't keep a job. Jackson, this is what we in the biz like to call full circle. The what Houston Texans have claimed Amari Rogers. No way. <laughs> let's go. Just got that notification on my phone. So yeah, he's caught on already. And just like the case it. of you know Benjamin, let's hope that a new change of scenery will open up some opportunities for him. Moving on. Packers hire Aubrey Pleasant as an offensive consultant. Was formerly a defensive assistant for the Lions before he was fired this season. Has some pretty close ties to the floor. Works with him in both Washington and L.A. Green Bay off, Green Bay offense took some major strides. They were the center point of our any given Sunday this week where they finally leaned in to their run-heavy game, and it paid dividends in the DVOA model because they have jumped all the way up to ninth in total offensive DVOA. There you have it. Hey, if I'm correct here, the
1: Lions and the Packers still play. Well, yeah, they play each other on January 8th, uh, which I think is also the last game of the regular season. So getting some, uh, getting some Detroit brain trust in there as the Packers to try and beat them this time around instead of losing in embarrassing fashion where you cannot punch in a touchdown all game might not be the worst idea. Aubrey Pleasant typically more of an offensive guy throughout his career and was a defensive assistant in Detroit where they had a historically bad defense for most of the year. But that combination of knowledge of the Lions defense combined with a better track record historically on offense uh, could be the shot in the arm this brain trust needs. And it should be said Green Bay's offense just in this past week alone, jumped from 15th to ninth in offensive DVOA. And any team led by Aaron Rodgers, you clearly expect to at least be top 10. So trending things are typically trending in the right direction for the Green Bay offense. Big, big game against the Titans this week that I'm
0: very excited for. Moving on to the Tennessee Titans. little rapid fire for us here. Quarterback Caleb Farley out for the season with a herniated disc. Defensive lineman Laurel Murchison? Murchison. Murchison Murchison signed a two-year extension after playing the past two weeks as a practice squad elevation. And finally, Derrick Henry needs just 77 yards to get 1,000 yards for the season. Barely uh, trails Saquon Barkley for the league leader. Will be the fourth time in his career that he's crossed the thousand yard threshold. Jackson, thoughts on any of the above?
1: Yeah, I mean, cool story. First of all, Laurel Murchison was a twenty twenty fifth rounder for the Titans and just had never really made it, never really earned that full time contract. Plays the past couple of weeks, does enough to earn the contract. They've obviously had a lot of injuries on their defensive front from the very beginning of the year up until now. Uh, so, Case of a guy stepping in, doing the job when he's asked for it in this Titans team. We've seen it uh, on some of the the behind-the-scenes videos week in, week out. It's a really tightly knit team. Mike Vrabel, incredible culture builder. Uh, So always good to see somebody kind of earn that contract. Uh, And the the Caleb Farley news hadn't been a very good cornerback this year. Uh, Only targeted 11 times, but allowing a 73% catch rate. Uh, negative five total points saved per for, uh, for Sports Info Solutions. But, you know, injuries are injuries, and we certainly wished him, wish him the best. And finally, on the Henry news, I mean, he's that guy, Kale. <laughs> he's he's still that guy. Uh, he's the toughest to bring down. He is a bowling ball, but a huge one. Uh, it's, it's really fun to watch Derrick Henry cook. And the Packers' rush defense has not been much of a strength throughout the past few years so very excited to see what he can do to them uh should be a really fun game
0: yeah the the, first off the Farley story is fascinating just you know was injured out of college and was kind of a flyer uh, an expensive flyer that a first rounder but it was more like you know even though he's hurt this is the tape we've seen on him and if it if he can get back to pre injury level, uh, he's a home run. Has played eight games, eight in the two years since. Now done for the year with that herniated disc. Tough, tough loss there. Just I had allowed two touchdowns this year. Didn't have a pass breakup once. Hopefully he can just continue to learn and get better. And yeah, Derrick Henry. I, uh, Let's go back North the West. curtain a little bit
1: here, Kale. Uh, Kale's been uh, an early adopter, shall we say, of the uh, Derrick Henry regression train the past couple years. Uh, so far, not looking so good for that uh, general belief, Kale. Had it had it right
0: last year. Had it right last year.
1: Uh, last year, when he was on pace for almost two thousand yards
0: before he hurt himself. Listen, my whole argument was that no that even running backs that have rushed for 2,000 yards can't sustain that level. Because most of them that do try and sustain the level don't end the season healthy, which was my argument. So I'm there. Most of them didn't didn't look into this, but had someone explain to me, most of them bounce back in the second year. (laughs) And Derrick Henry (laughs) looks fantastic. Not as efficient by our DVOA numbers. Down to 14th in DVOA but seventh in DYAR. Right, listen, he is the he is the heart and soul of this Tennessee Titans offense at the moment, which isn't fantastic, but he's the one guy keeping them afloat.
1: Yeah, I mean Tyreek Hill to me is the offensive player of the year right now. His numbers are staggering. Tyreek Hill is doing all this in an incredibly well-designed offense with a, you know, a Robin to his Batman in the form of Jalen Waddell, a vastly improved quarterback, great running game, uh, just everything that possibly of could be offense in his
0: favor.
1: Yeah, I kind of already said that. But <laughs> Derek Henry <laughs> is doing all of this in a poorly designed offense with no receiver support. Um, banged up offensive line, just continuing to punish people week in, week out. You know Derrick Henry's getting the ball and he still gets five to 10 yards. It is
0: fun to watch and I hope he continues to do it. Well, that'll about do it for us this week on the FO News Show. Thank you as always for joining us. You can check out the VOD over on the YouTube channel. You can check us out in podcast form over on the fo podcast network check us out every week wednesdays at 1 p.m want to give one more shout out to underdog fantasy double your first deposit up to 100 dollars or promo code outsiders jackson thank you as always for hosting with me and putting up with my fever addled brain <laughs> anything for the folks at home Oh, I thought, he, I thought
1: there were more words coming. Thank, <laughs> thank you for turning it over to me, Kale. Yes. Um, Twitch chat, useful underscore title. Thanks for a great show, guys. Thank you, useful underscore title, for being a valued listener. Thank you to all of you for listening. And while we're doing shout outs, why not check out the takeaway that Kale and I host. Comes out on YouTubes on Saturdays. One of my favorite things to do this week or every week. And it should be another banger. It was highly controversial last week. I hope it is equally controversial
0: again this week. Got spicy in the comments, breaking down some of the hottest takes around the NFL media landscape and doing a little FO, analytics, dissect, holding the rest of the media landscape accountable, holding ourselves accountable by putting our own takes out there. You can check that out. Listen to us every week on the FO. Various networks, the YouTube channel, the Twitch channel, podcast network. I'm gonna keep rambling. Kale, okay, take some Jack- take some Advil and go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> for Jackson, I'm Kale. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Woo.